Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Feckin' Metal. I am your host, Fergal Trainer. So, episode 20 seems like a bit of a milestone. Uh, those multiples of 10, multiples of 5 always seem more important than um, prime numbers like 17 or 19 or something like that. Uh, but yeah, great to be still doing this 20 episodes deep. Uh, it started off as a little uh, trickle of... Um, something in my head trickle back in uh, late uh, 2019 and here it is fully realized uh, a weekly podcast except for that break at christmas so it's great to be still doing feckin metal for all of you listeners out there uh, so thanks everybody for listening to last week's episode anderson tiago uh, got some good feedback on that uh, i really enjoyed speaking to anderson as i said at the start of that episode i feel we we're on the same wavelength about newer bands and upcoming bands uh although in this show i probably won't be speaking about too many upcoming bands it'll be probably more so older acts uh and this episode is about power metal so it's a subgenre of heavy metal of which i'm quite a big fan and i don't feel like i talk about it that often so while i wait for guests to confirm their availability and when they might be able to do a podcast and while i put together a little um arc that I've been piecing together gradually. I am going to do an episode on power metal because I feel like there's a lot of music that I like and I haven't talked about. So this is a perfect opportunity to do that. Sorry, a bit of background noise there. So uh, keen-eyed Twitter followers might have noticed that I've been uh, whoring myself out a bit on Twitter looking to get some people to appear on the podcast. Or maybe you didn't notice, I don't know. Uh, But I'm putting together a bit of an arc. Uh, I hope for it to be six episodes in length and it's going to feature um, different guests each week and it's going to be about one particular band which I have mentioned uh, several times and I have played clips from. And it's going to break down their studio albums into six, uh, six different eras and i'm going to go through them with a different guest each week and the guests that i intend to have a couple of them at least are experts on this band i will say um that's not iron maiden by the way as well so that would be way too obvious uh, it's not iron maiden but it's a band of, of similar stature um so i'm hoping to do that but before that i'm going to talk about power metal but before that actually this seems to be a habit I'm getting into now. Before that, before that, uh, I'm going to talk about Bruce Dickinson and I'm going to talk about Iron Maiden just briefly because, you know, there's always news about Iron Maiden. And of course, the news that you will have all heard is that Iron Maiden have been nominated for the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, uh, Bruce Dickinson said a while back, um, very eloquently, I think, uh, that, uh, so Nesbitt put this up on Twitter there recently and reminded me of this beauty of a quote uh, the rock and roll hall of fame is an utter and complete load of bollocks it's run by a bunch of <laughs> it's run by a bunch of sanctimonious bloody americans who wouldn't know rock and roll if it hit them in the face and i just think that's brilliant that he said that because i feel the same as bruce it is a lot an utter load of bollocks um i mean it was set up by amit ertigan back uh, I think it was in the 70s, and he was a huge, or maybe the 80s, sorry, he was a huge figure in the music industry. We all know that. I mean, Led Zeppelin got back together just to celebrate him. Um, and he, he started at Atlantic Records, and he was a huge figure in the industry, and that's fine, like, but uh, that doesn't mean that he decides who's cool and who isn't. I know he's not alive anymore, but like, that doesn't mean he and his cronies just to decide, get to decide who's cool and who isn't, who gets in and who doesn't. I mean, it does mean that they do that, because that's exactly what they do, but why did they have that privilege and why do we grant them that uh, power to be like this person is in the hall of fame because i deemed them to be this person isn't because i deemed them not to be like that's in my mind as bruce said it's bollocks it's it's one or one person's opinion or a few people's opinions on who is 
good at rock and who isn't. And then they they absolutely fucking diluted by having pop stars and rappers in there. I don't need to list all the people. You know them. You've seen them. Um, pop stars and rappers in there diluting the whole rock and roll thing. And people say, well, rock and roll is a concept. Rock and roll is blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. It's, it's fucking music with guitars in it and singers and bass and drums and choruses and stuff that's written by the artist usually. Although back in the early days, maybe not, but more so now, it's 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 original music that's performed on instruments, um, and it's heavy and it's interesting and it's vibrant and it's it's a it's a music genre and heavy metal is obviously a subgenre of that and hard rock is even a subgenre of rock and roll. But um, to think that just a group of people sitting around get to decide who goes in and who doesn't, it, to me, it's just nonsense. Like you had Black Sabbath inducted a few years ago and Ronnie James Dio didn't get inducted. Uh, obviously, he was not a core member of Black Sabbath when they formed or in the many reunions they did with Ozzy. He wasn't in that lineup, but he was in the Dio lineup, which is massive, completely revitalized their career. Uh, got them noticed in the US again, definitely. A lot of people I've spoken to from America got into Black Sabbath because of Dio. Well, he is American, obviously, but the style of music kind of started sounding more American, more mainstream, uh, with Dio at the helm than it did with Ozzy. And I know their biggest hit was with Ozzy, Paranoid and whatever, but um, like a lot of people got into Black Sabbath purely because of Dio. They were, their career was in the toilet in 78, 79. Uh, they had released two subpar albums, in my opinion, Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die. And they really weren't doing much. And they weren't, they were seen as kind of dinosaurs by that stage. And then Dio came along and they luckily were kind of, by by sheer circumstance, the new wave of British heavy metal kind of was happening at the same time. And Black Sabbath put out an absolute belter of an album. And I think... Um, Mob Rules is probably a bit better, but in 80 and 81, they put out two absolutely fantastic albums. They're a very good live album. And then uh, then Dio left and they did one with Ian Gillen, which is also really good. Um, and, and charted quite well in the U- UK as well. So he completely turned around their entire career to not include Ronnie James Dio in the induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Black Sabbath. It just points out the, the lunacy of the decision-making uh, involved with that hall and that whole process. I just think it's... There's never... It doesn't make any... There's no rhyme or reason to it. Like this person is in, this person isn't. We're inducting Dennis Stratton, but we're not inducting Blaze Bailey. So that made the headlines as well. Um, and uh, it's like Dennis Stratton was on one album. I don't think he has a writing credit. Um, and then he was fired. And he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, Blaze Bailey, who went on two world tours with Iron Maiden and uh, released two full albums, has multiple writing credits. And we all know wrote songs for Brave New World as well. Blaze Bailey doesn't get inducted. And Dennis Stratton does. I just bananas uh so yeah fair play to you bruce i hope iron maiden don't accept it um i think it's meaningless nonsense and irrelevant and iron maiden still putting out good music in 2020 and 2021 well they haven't put out any music since 2015 actually but we all know they're going to um but iron maiden still been around doing gigs being spoken about and not in a kind of a fond nostalgia way but in a current and relevant way that's all the proof anyone needs about whether Iron Maiden are valid as a band or are important in heavy metal. It's their continued success, their ongoing creativity, their drive, their ambition. It's all over the place. Like they, They're always in the news. They're always doing something. They're always doing something important, even if it's the recent live album, which in my opinion wasn't brilliant but that's at least it's something like they're mixing it up they're throwing in some songs they don't normally play they're putting in flight of icarus they're putting in for the greater good of god they're doing a couple of blaze baby songs it's all interesting there's depth to it uh the rock and roll hall of fame piss off basically is my opinion um so um on twitter there recently today i was having a chat uh with uncle steve who whose podcast i actually appeared on recently i don't think i 
mentioned that uh, specifically I made reference to it, but I appeared on a, an episode there um, of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden song. The episode released on the 19th of January. Now, that's buried in the feed at this uh, at this moment due to the sheer uh, speed at which Steve is recording and releasing episodes currently. But I really enjoyed that chat, and there was good banter on Twitter afterwards about it, uh, some things that were discussed in it. Um, if you haven't listened to it, just go back and have a, have, have a listen. If you like, it's my Iron Maiden story. If you have listened to me on other podcasts, you've heard a lot of it before. But I did say some things that I'd never said on any podcast before. So if you're interested and you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen. The 19th of January. Um, and yeah, we we're having a chat today. Um, Steve was talking about uh, Rob Halford and, and Dio. I can't remember how it started. I think it was yesterday I said um, <laughs> Dio is a better singer than Rob Halford. Now, obviously, that's completely subjective. You can't objectively really say like one is a better. It's a preference. But I was just kind of stirring the shit for the laugh and... Um, Melissa from Metal Chat with Melissa and Alejandra, a friend of the show, uh, also joined in and, and agreed with me and said that Dio was better. And Steve isn't a big Dio fan at all. Um, and I'm a huge Dio fan. And I, I mean, to say one is better than the other, I would say Rob Halford probably technically has a better range than Ronnie James Dio. I'd say he can sing in more octaves than Dio can or could, obviously. Sorry, Dio's dead since 2010. Um, but. I just personally prefer the sound of Dio's voice, and that's really what it comes down to. I, I said I think it's a richer voice. I know that's kind of probably a meaningless adjective, but richness to me is like some kind of quality. It's an intangible. It's when you hear it, it it's so welcome to the ear. And I, while I love Rob Halford as a singer, and he can sing in, in those rich tones, maybe uh, Beyond the Realms of Death might be an example of that, um, I think Dio delivers it so much uh just even in a solo work but with black sabbath as well children of the sea um as long as it's not about love from magica fantastic song um his own solo uh, or sorry is is solo stuff but the stuff in rainbow as well uh catch the rainbow um and uh, other songs like that the temple of the king just fantastic stuff and i don't think that rob halford has been as consistently brilliant in his career uh I think he's a really good singer, an excellent singer, and one of the best. But uh, somebody wrote down in a magazine at one point, I could listen to Ronnie James Dio sing in the phone book, and uh, that's that's probably better than I could ever put it. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to hear Rob Halford sing in the phone book. Uh, so there you go. So who is better, Ronnie James Dio or Rob Halford? Answers on a postcard, please. Um, but yeah, this episode is about power metal, and... Uh, I talk about Dio, and it's relevant because um, some people have pointed out the fact that uh, Rainbow Rising, released in 1976, is possibly the first ever power metal album. Now, what's power metal, you might ask yourself, uh, if you don't know. Uh, Well, it's more of an uplifting, kind of catchier, uh, melodic form of heavy metal, is how I will describe it. So, in the 1980s, in America and in Europe, separate from one another, there were kind of two movements going on at the time. Um... The formation of power metal as a subgenre. Uh, I'll say it still exists to this day. Like you've got U.S. power metal metal bands like Manowar and Omen and um, those type of bands, and you've got a uh, European power metal bands like Halloween and Gamma Ray and uh, <clears throat> what else? Like Ed Guy and Bloodbound and some of the bands I'm going to play today. <clears throat> but um, the U.S. stuff, while while it shared a lot of similarities with Euro power metal, I'd say it was harder sounding. And think of things like Man of War when I'm, when I'm talking about that. Uh, but then the the European power metal, I'd say, is kind of a bit jollier, uh, a bit more keyboardy or synthy, um, uh, more sing along and. I go to a festival, or I used to go to a festival every year, Sabaton Open Air. Some of you will be aware of that based on the fact that I did an episode called Sabaton Open Air, uh, part one, I think, with my friend Kevin. And uh, we have we went to that 
uh, five or six years in a row. And um, it's full of power metal. Like Sabaton are a big, massive Swedish power metal band, and lots of the bands who play at it are power metal. And uh, I, I love the genre. So, yeah, I think it was Sam Dunn uh, from <clears throat> Metal Evolution who first brought it to my attention that uh, Rainbow Rising might be the first ever power metal album. And if you do listen to it, it shares those qualities. It's epic. It's over-the-top bombastic, very melodic, um, and generally, I suppose, just more powerful than uh, than your basic straightforward heavy metal. And one of the songs that epitomizes power metal in my mind and in the minds of many others is Rainbow Rising's um, song Stargazer, which is a very famous song, one of Rainbow's fame, uh, most famous songs. And uh, to me, it's I've always thought it was like about the building of the pyramids, but it could be some other kind of similar mythical structure. But that's what it sounds like in the heat and the rain with whips and chains. We built a tower of stone with our flesh and bone. Uh, some beautiful words, lyrics in that and images uh, conjured up by Dio. So I'm going to play a clip from Stargazer from Rainbow Rising. And this clip is one of those bits of a song that just makes the hair on my neck and arm stand up and just makes me realize why i absolutely love heavy metal and it's just fantastic and here it is Alright, so that was Stargazer by Rainbow from the 1976 album Rising. Uh, an excellent album, I will say. Uh, Don McIntyre, friend of the show as well, recently posted on um, Twitter that he got Rainbow Rising. Uh, I think the first Rainbow album and 
Holy Diver in the post there recently from Amazon and uh, they are also fantastic albums all, all three of them sorry are fantastic and I wrote underneath this uh, all of them are classics and I really think they are and I, I think another thing about Dio Dio versus Halford to go back to that uh, pointless debate <laughs> um, is that Dio made classic albums with three different bands and Halford has not done that there's no way he has uh, so if you look at Dio like let's forget about Elf and we'll move straight to Rainbow look at Dio for a second um, he has released uh, Rising, which is definitely a classic album. Songs like Stargazer and A Light in the Black have stood the test of time. Uh, you had even Metallica covering that stuff on um, a Ronnie James Dio uh, tribute album there recently and, and included as um, a track on uh, on their uh, bonus tracks on the deluxe version of their most recent album. Um, there's a Ronnie medley, I think it's called, or Rising medley or something like that. But um, yeah, they play a bit of those songs. Um, then he moved on to Black Sabbath. And Heaven and Hell is definitely considered a classic album by many people. Personally, I think Mob Rules might pip it just for quality. But those two, I think, are, are classic albums. And then Dio went on to form Dio and released the albums uh, Holy Diver, followed by, um, not Stand Up and Shout, is it We Rock? We Rock is the name of the next one, is it? Shit, what's it actually called? Um, the Last in Line, Christ Almighty, sorry. Um, I should know, I have it on vinyl and everything. The Last in Line is also a classic album. Um, and then just to top it all off, he went back to Black Sabbath and made Dehumanizer. And he kind of pretty much went back to Black Sabbath again and made the, the Heaven and Hell album. Uh, God, I should stop trying to think of things on the spot because I'm making a fool of myself. What the hell is that album called? Uh, the Devil You Know. There you go. Um, better The Devil You Know. Um is yeah so uh, rob halford left judas priest and floundered frankly in fight and two and then made some decent albums with halford but they were not up to the standard of judas priest and then he went back to judas priest and made some excellent albums but i think dio has um thrived in various different environments uh, again this is a pointless debate but it's it's interesting to me um it's not even a debate i'm just talking to myself anyway there you go dio uh, rainbow and uh, stargazer and what a fantastic song that is from a great album I, i'd recommend you go and listen to it if you haven't and if you haven't what are you doing stop listening to this now and go and listen to it all right so moving on i'd like to talk about one of those european power metal stalwarts that i mentioned earlier uh, this song is by halloween and this is from the keeper of the seven keys part two uh, that was a series of two albums that were released and I think 70 or sorry 87 and 88 part two to me is the better one I know better I've listened to it more um, and it has many many classic songs on it but it also has this song which is a classic too it's called I Want Out and this is when Michael Kiske was singing in the band and this is him singing on I Want Out
God, like a tar in that song. It's just it's an eargasm. Um, but Halloween parted ways with Kisuke and uh, Kai Hansen. And now they're both back in a current version of Halloween called um, Pumpkins Pumpkins United, which features the previous singers and guitarist and uh, also features the, the singer that's stuck with them the whole time since. And it's Andy Darris, I think his name is. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one, but um, another one of those names I've only seen written down and never heard anyone pronounce. I'm going to say Darris, A-N-D-I-D-E-R-I-S. And he's been their singer ever since, uh, what was the 90s anyway, I think. Um, Master of the Rings, is it maybe? Something like that. And um, he, he's, he's, he's a great singer, but he's a very different style, a deeper voice maybe than Kisk. And I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. You know who they are. You've heard their, their names before, probably pronounced by somebody else. Um, but yeah, I'm going to play a song from the album The Dark Ride, which was out several years after um, Keeper of the Seven Keys. It was out in the 2000s, maybe 2001 or three. Sorry, The Dark Ride was out in 2000. There you go. Um, but yeah, this is called Mr. Torture. So just to give you a, a sample of uh, what Andy Derris sounds like as compared to the previous singer. I'm not saying his name anymore. Um, So here you go. Here's Mr. Torture from 2000 from The Dark Ride. I love it. Uh, so uplifting, and even though it's about torture uh, and whips and chains and all that, you know, it's the most positive torture song I've ever heard. Okay, moving on. Riot is a band from America, of which there have been many different incarnations over the years. Uh, the founding member, Mark Reali, died back, I think, in 2013 or 14 or something like that. Um, not too long ago, anyway. And there's a version out now called Riot 5 or Riot V and they have some of the previous members of Riot and a different singer. Uh, they've had many different singers over the years uh, and different guitarists, whatever. But um, uh, the current version are excellent. I saw them in Sweden. I saw them in Sweden at Sabaton Open Air in 2018, I think. And um, they were really good. And Todd Michael Hall, their current singer, is one of the best live singers I have ever seen in my life. And I... Say that with no hint of exaggeration. If you can ever get to see Riot 5, or just Riot, I think they call themselves most of the time now. Um, if you ever get to see them playing or see them on a festival bill somewhere, uh, go and have a look at them. They're, they're fantastic, even in their current incarnation. But this is from 1988 from the album Thundersteel, and this song is called Blood Streets.
So, the song Blood Streets there, an absolute classic. Is it power metal? Um, some people might argue that it isn't, but Riot are often credited for starting the American kind of, or being one of the founders of American US power metal. So I'm, I'm going to say it is power metal. Um, but yeah, that that's, that album is very good, but that song to me is, is just fantastic. It's, it was my most listened to song on Spotify in 2018. Uh, listeners to the feckin' check-in will be aware of that because it was featured on an episode there. Um, back then they had Tony Moore on vocals who did a few albums with them, but... Um, that uh, the current singer now with Todd Michael Hall. I want you. I want to play you um, a clip from a recent song. So this is from the album Armor of Light, and it was out in 2018. And this song with their current singer is called Victory. So you can see it's a bit different there, maybe a bit heavier, maybe a bit more power metal with the, the new singer, Todd Michael Hall, but just listening to his vocals there on that, he's as good as that live. That comes with my guarantee. Um, so yeah, that was Riot. Um, now I mentioned Halloween earlier. Uh, they were the first proper power metal band I played a song from, and Kai Hansen uh, left Halloween back in, I think in the 90s, and formed Gamma Ray, another band, uh, which he is the vocalist of, um, and have released a whole load of albums. And this was um, an album from 2014. Yeah, it's called Empire of the Undead, 2014. It's the most recent Gamma Ray album to date. Obviously, Kai is busy back being in Halloween now in Pumpkins United, but um, this is, a, is an excellent song, and I remember listening to this album when it came out. It just came up on my radar. I think I, I got Spotify at that time. I can't say I'm a huge Gamma Ray fan, uh, not because I don't like them. I do, just I don't know all their music or anything, and um, this must have... I started listening to Spotify around this time, and this song just came up on my radar somehow, and I listened to the entire album. Actually, I think it was my friend Kevin who recommended this to me, I'm pretty sure, and um, I listened to this, and it's bloody fantastic. Just listen to this when it, when it really kicks in, and the song's speeds up towards the end just listen to this bit another one of those moments where the hair on your neck if you have any blood pumping through your body and if you like heavy metal this should raise your the, the neck hair on you and um on your arms as well it's just fantastic
There you go. And it's really in, in power metal songs, I think, that like there were a lot of these moments, I find, in those songs. Moments where you just sit back and go, fuck, that is amazing. That is heavy metal. This is why I listen to this music. And that was one of those moments in that Gamma Ray song for me. So uh, Avalon there by Gamma Ray. Okay, so moving on. Uh, I recently posted um, on Twitter... Uh, um, after listening to Uncle Steve's episode with Andrew Whitnell, where they went through the history of the song The Longest Day from uh, A Matter of Life and Death, the Iron Maiden album, uh, a, new, a new series that Uncle Steve is doing where he goes into the history of the songs, which is a great idea, actually, I, I think, and I really enjoyed that episode, uh, learning and listening to heavy metal. What's better than that? Um, but uh, Andrew came across very well on that episode, and I actually went back then and listened to the one he did for Uncle Steve a while back. I hadn't listened to it, so, yeah, I enjoyed listening to him. He, he's, he's, he's a good... He's a good speaker. Uh, he, he's engaging without being overbearing. And when you're trying to educate somebody, that's a rare, um, it's a rare skill. So yeah, I thought he came across very well. And um, he was so into the lyrics and the song because he's obviously into history. Um, and, I, and then I, I asked on Twitter, I wonder if Andrew likes the band Sabaton uh, because every song is basically a history lesson. Every song is about a war or sometimes the albums are concept albums. In the case of uh, one of the songs now comes from a concept album about the 30 years war in Sweden called Carolus Rex, which was the name of the teenage king that was brought into power uh, back in the 17th century. Um, but yeah, every song in Sabaton is about something in history. And, uh, or else the album The Great War is uh, another concept album about World War One. but I asked him anyway did he like them he, he said he hadn't listened to them I think but then he went and listened to them he actually posted new favourite band and that he was listening to them with his son and they really enjoyed it um, now I don't know if he was being serious when he said new favourite band but um, I think they're fantastic uh, they get a lot of stick in heavy metal circles, people say they aren't really heavy metal. Uh, I've heard them being described as a gateway band, you know, like a gateway drug um, to real heavy metal, you know, in quotation marks. That kind of snobbery, I don't really have much time for it, personally. Um, I think they make excellent music and are really good live, and that's all that matters to me. Uh, at the end of the day, pointless phrase there, meaningless phrase at the end of the day. Um but here's a song from Sabaton. It's from Corallus Rex, which was out in 2012. The last album they did before four members left the group and joined up with the singer Nils Patrick Johansson and formed Civil War, uh, which is still ongoing, although Nils Patrick has left. Um, but yeah, this was the last album that Sabaton did with that lineup. And then they changed and had four new members then from that point onwards. But this is from Corallus Rex and it's called A Lifetime of War. To view the world so similar at times Two ways to rule the world to justify their crimes Vikings and queens, young men, are sent to die in war Their propaganda speaks those words been heard before Two ways to view the world brought Europe down in flames Two ways to rule past man born insane
I've seen Sabaton, I think at least seven times, and they have played the song a couple of times, but they've never played it with English lyrics, which is infuriating because they recorded this album in both Swedish and in English, the only album they've ever done that with. And I've seen them play the song in Sweden twice, Obviously, it was in Swedish, and they played it in Ireland for fuck's sake, and they played it in Swedish. I was like, "Come on, just I just want to sing along with it," because the lyrics obviously are obviously completely different um, when they're in Swedish. So I can be found in, at Sabaton shows, um, arrogantly singing along to the English lyrics of that song uh, while the Swedish version is playing. So I've probably annoyed one or two people in my time, but there you have it. Right, you are. Um, Okay, so moving on, I'm going to play a song from Civil War. So this is Nils Patrick Johansson, one of the best heavy metal singers out there, I think. He has such a great quality to his voice. Kind of reminds me of Ronnie James Dio sometimes. Um, and because this is an Irish podcast, I'm going to play the song St. Patrick's Day. And fury, you are the pride and glory. The world is mad, it's gone insane. There you go. That's St. Patrick's Day by Civil War. If you've never listened to them before, I did play a song on a previous episode. Um, check them out. They're absolutely excellent. Uh, that that song is from the album The Killer Angels, which was out in 2013. They've another album out in uh, 2015, Gods and Generals. And then the final one, the third one with Nils Patrick before he left, uh, was called The Last Full Measure, and that was in 2016. Three excellent albums. The first two are probably better than the third one. Uh, they have a new singer now. Not as good, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't want to be one of those people who just, you know, like a Blaze Bailey hater. But I have seen the band with this guy, and I've listened to the one song they've put out, um, and it's just not great. And he's been in the band for years, and they've done nothing. Like, they've done a few tours and stuff, but they've only put out one song uh, since your man joined the band, I think in 2017. Um, and that's obviously years ago now. So I can't remember his name, but he's not as good as Nils Patrick. Um, Nils, Nils also has some solo stuff you can check out. And he's also a member of Astral Doors, Wuthering Heights, and Lion's Share. And all of those bands are still active as well. He is, I've used this term about other people, but he's certainly one of the busiest men in rock. Uh, he's so many going concerns, so many active bands, uh, and a solo career. He's... Uh, He's mental. He's, he's a huge inspiration. He's got so much stuff going on. I really respect that about him. Um, but that was Civil War. Moving on to another German band. This band is some a band that's come to my attention only in the last few years. It's Primal Fear. I'm sure some of you will be familiar with them because they've been around forever. Um, well, since the late 90s. Um, but the singer, there's an f- interesting story here. And Melissa from Metal Chat with Melissa actually mentioned this on her uh, podcast recently. But the singer of Primal Fear formed the band after his unsuccessful attempt at auditioning for Judas Priest after Rob Halford left. Um, so Ralph Sheepers, who not only bears a physical resemblance to modern-day uh, Rob Halford, but 
audibly as well. His voice sounds quite like Rob, I think. Uh, so he he auditioned for Judas Priest, was unsuccessful, and he went and formed Primal Fear then, and they've been around ever since, so about 23 years now, and they've released a load of albums. A very prolific band, and this is called The Seventh Seal, and it's a live version. And listen to how well he sings this song live. You don't need to know it, just listen to it. So that was um, Primal Fear singing Angels of Mercy, or sorry, singing um, Seven Seal from the live album Angels of Mercy, which was out in 2017. Since then, there is a new album in 2018 called Apocalypse, another one in 2020 called Metal Commando. Before that, they had one in 2016, they had one in 2014. They're just so prolific, they just keep releasing albums, and they're very high quality. I saw them in Sweden as well a few years ago, um, and they were excellent, so I recommend checking them out. Now, this next band is... Uh, one of the bands that probably gives uh, power metal a bit of a, a, a kind of a, a reputation of being a bit silly, and it can be a bit silly, definitely. Like some of the songs are, they're not to be taken seriously. And there's a couple on this um, episode that I'm going to cover, um, which are in that category. And, and one of the bands is Glory Hammer. So they're described online as an Anglo-Swiss uh, power metal band. They've been around for, I think their first album was out in 2015. I saw these guys playing in Sweden uh, at Sabaton Open Air, like a lot of these acts. And then I also went to see them in Dublin there not so long ago, and they're a very, very energetic and entertaining band. And um, this song I want to play for you was on their first album. So that album was out. I'm just going to confirm this now. So Glory Hammer, uh, yeah, their first album was out. Sorry, 2013 it was out. Uh, Tales from the Kingdom of Fife. And this song is called Angus McFife. Oh 
ago uh, Angus McFife from Tales from the Kingdom of Fife you want to go and read what that album is about it's a zany concept I don't even want to get into trying to explain it because it's bizarre and off the wall but that's what Glory Hammer are they're kind of odd funny quirky and very good musicians as well on top of all that um, so they got my vote uh, go and see them live if you get the chance it's just such an entertaining show and there's a link between them and my next band so the keyboard player from um Glory Hammer is the singer and he plays a bit of a keyboardy type thing in Ailstorm. So Ailstorm Storm are like the the pirate metal band that you've probably heard of and you probably have heard this song as well because it was everywhere for a while but Ailstorm gets some pretty big gigs. They get like all the big festivals and all that like and all their songs are about um pirates and drinking and whatever uh, being a pirate <laughs> that type of thing but uh, but they're very very entertaining just like glory hammer so um it's the it's the singer christopher bowes who does the keyboard duty in glory hammer and he does the singing and kind of a keyboardy type thing i can't remember what it's actually called it's one you wear around your neck in um in ale storm and you'll often find glory hammer and ale storm on the same festival bills because of that because you can just go and do a costume change and uh, and play in both bands but um Airstorm are hilarious and great crack and they have like an inflatable rubber duck on stage and just mental off the wall stuff again not supposed to be taken seriously it's just a bit of a laugh uh, and this song is called Drink and uh, this uh, one I hold quite closely to my heart Piracy's a crime and crime doesn't pay and we go home poor at the end of the day but I'd rather live my Okay, that was Drink by Ailstorm. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this episode pretty quickly now. Um, second last band I'd like to discuss, another kind of gimmicky band. Some people might think it's a bit silly. This is a German heavy metal, uh, power metal band. It's been going for uh, quite some time now and has a load of albums out too. And this is Powerwolf. So you might know Powerwolf as the werewolf band, basically. All of their songs are about werewolf mythology, uh, vampire werewolves, uh, drinking blood, whatever. Uh, they have a very famous song called We Drink Your Blood. So catchy, it's unbelievable. But this song is actually from their very first album. So... Powerwolf sounded a bit darker, a bit heavier, I think, back on their first album. And uh, I didn't really listen to this until much later after I found out about the band. And I, I went back and I was like, I must listen to their, their earliest stuff. So they have an album from 2005, which was their first album, called Return in Blood Red. And uh, this song is called Mr. Sinister, or Sinister, as it's pronounced on the song. But uh, it is a very sinister song. I think you'll really like it.
All right, that was Powerwolf, the German werewolf uh, power metal band, uh, and why not? Um, okay, and finally on this power metal special, I am going to discuss uh, a stalwart of the new wave of British heavy metal, um, and that's Saxon, and everybody knows Saxon, of course. They were the leader of the pack with the new album for a while, before Iron Maiden passed them out, and Def Leppard, if you, if you count them. I don't really. They never sounded like heavy metal to me, really. Um, but uh, Saxon are known for dipping their toe in and out of power metal every so often. So they're a band that can actually turn their hand to straight ahead heavy metal, hard rock uh, and power metal, and sometimes on the same album within the space of three songs. And I absolutely, I was going to say I fucking love, and then I censored myself, I fucking love this song. It's called Battalions of Steel by Saxon. Okay, that was Battalions of Steel by Saxon. That's the last power metal song I'm going to play for you this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope maybe it's something a bit different for you. That you, Maybe you don't listen to power metal and you got something out of this. Um, so I, I enjoyed uh, going back and listening to all those songs myself. Um, it's a it's a genre or a subgenre that I've stayed away from recently because I went into a kind of... I overdosed on it for a few years going to Sabaton Open Air. I found months of my year were spent listening to playlists in advance of Sabaton Open Air and then you discovering new bands. And then when those bands would play Ireland, which they normally... A lot of the time they did in the winter of those years. I went to see the bands then in smaller venues in Ireland and... I kind of OD'd on it a bit and I kind of just stepped away from it for a while. But it's nice to go back and revisit those bands and those songs and I really enjoyed that. Um, next week, maybe I'll have a guest. We'll see. I'm not sure yet. Or maybe I'll start and I'll launch into my arc. I don't have the dates set in stone. But I do have two guests who have agreed in principle to do the show, but they want to wait until their albums are coming out. There's a couple of big massive clues um, if you're paying attention. So there's a couple of bands that are kind of they fit in with the the new wave of traditional heavy metal they've albums coming out but they don't know when the albums are coming out and i've spoken to two people in the bands they've agreed to do the podcast but they just haven't given me a date yet and they don't know when their albums are coming out so uh, they're in the pipeline i've got my arc in the pipeline as well and i am planting seeds for something else too uh, all very mysterious as usual here on feck and metal but that is going to do it for this episode maybe i'll have a guest next week i hope to we'll see um I am available on Twitter a lot. It's at Feckin' Metal Cast. If you'd like to contact me uh, via email, you can. It's feckinmetal at gmail.com or on the Feckin' Checkin' Podcast Network Facebook page. Just put that into Facebook and you'll find it. Not very active on there. Sometimes um, I'm active. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, you go, and, go and have a look for me on Twitter. It's at Feckin' Metal Cast. That's where I do most of my talking to people. Um, I'm doing a little series at the moment where... I'm wearing all of my heavy metal t-shirts that I've accumulated. Uh, so every day I'm going to wear a different one until I've run through them all. It's interesting to me because I get to find clothes that I've forgotten about. Some, some of them I've never worn at all. and Some of them I've worn them to death. Um, and I'm only keeping them really for sentimental value. But I'm going to go through every single 
hard rock and heavy metal t-shirt I have and I put up a photo every day. There's been some interesting memes already as a result of this and how I decided to pose on my day one photo. Uh, so I did day three there recently. Um, that's, I'm really enjoying it actually, but I mean, I don't know how many of these I have, so this could go on for months. I, I have at least 50 and I'd say maybe possibly 80 or 90 i don't know but that's going to continue until it's done so uh that's the type of crack and banter you can experience if you follow me on twitter um okay that's gonna do for me so thanks again for joining me this week this is the classic uh music that finishes off the show it's uh kyle mcneil from seven sisters playing the feckin checkin fe- no it's not feckin metal theme tune uh doesn't have a name that's all it's called feckin metal theme tune thanks for joining me this week i'll speak to you again next week